trailing three. Good protect. Pass the right cross. Oh, touchdown. Tampa Bay. Oh, Jay Howard. Fire them cannons. What a play. We are Bucks Nation, SB Nation's team blog for your Super Bowl 55 champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come fan with us at BucksNation.com. With the 32nd pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Joe Tryon, linebacker, Washington. The 2021 NFL Draft is officially in the books, people. And your Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers took the long view approach this draft, filling in spots for two plus years out. We heard Bruce Arians, Jason Light talk about it. They did not feel pressured to have to fill a need. First time in 27 years, Bruce Arians did not have to fill a need in the draft. This draft included a very real and possible Tom Brady successor as much as some may not have liked it. And we'll get into some of that later. The Bucs were able to sit back, wait for their guys to fall to them, and they took full advantage of all seven rounds. Turning to my co-host here, Mr. Chris Schoenherr. Welcome in. Good evening. How are you, Good. sir? Doing, doing all right. Doing all right. Especially now that the draft is over now, maybe we can get a chance to uh, actually get some sleep. Many of us were anticipating that the Bucks would make a lot of moves in the draft early, possibly to move up in the second, the third rounds, maybe make a little bit more dramatic moves or picks. A lot of talent, obviously, that was in that second and third round that a lot of people were kind of being critical about leaving out on the table. Yeah, and I I thought that, you know, I was really expecting more trade-ups. I mean, they only had the one trade-up for, you know, that fast kid out of North Texas, but... You know, I, I thought there was so much more talent that they could have traded up for, especially in the second. Instead, you know, they settled on Trask and hey, you know, that's what they decided to do. But I thought they could have approached it a little differently. A lot of criticism across the board with all of the picks. And I think no matter what, uh, there's a lot of criticism for multiple picks. I think from multiple teams, one of the picks that I probably had no like earthly idea what the Saints were doing was with that uh, Peyton <laughs> Turner guy uh, that I I haven't heard of I haven't seen in any mocks I haven't heard analysis on them and it, it just it was a head scratcher for sure but you know what Sean Payton and and that uh, front office staff obviously saw something in the kid and you know what they have that right to do it just like the Buccaneers they have that right to be able to pick who they wanted to get and they were able to take that long view they did not have to fill in obviously bringing back all 22 starters uh, and then some that they weren't pressured to fill the need and I'm super critical in that, you know, there's a lot of I know what's better than the team kind of Twitter feeds and all that stuff out there. I mean, like, guys, just sit back and relax. Enjoy the ride. Right. You're coming off of a Super Bowl. They have a very real chance of repeating, possibly even having a much better season. And, And who cares who they picked up? They didn't need to. They got all their starters. We needed depth. That was the key. It was depth, special teams. Get some speed in the right areas, and that's exactly how Jason Light and Bruce Arians have been spinning it since the get-go. This is our 2021 NFL Draft Recap Special. We'll be going over all of the Buccaneers draft picks 
rounds one through seven. And we'll even go over touching on some signed undrafted free agents as well as the draft scorecards. I'm your host, Jason. You can find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation. And I'm here with my co-host, Chris Schoenherr. Find him at Cynical Bucks Fan. Super cynical. That's what I'm going to call you from now on. <laughs> Don't forget to follow the show at Bucks Nation Pod. Let's jump right into it. I want to get into these first two picks. Probably, you know, the most hype is around these first two picks. Round one, pick 32, outside linebacker, edge rusher, defensive end, whatever damn scheme you want to put him in. Joe Tryon, Washington. Now, I had the other defensive lineman out of Washington. That was my horse. They didn't go with him. He was still on the board. They decided Joe Tryon was the much better option for them to go. He was a two-year starter in Washington. He, he racked up 61 total tackles, 14 and a half for loss, nine sacks, two pass deflections. Impressive, impressive resume that this kid actually was able to, you know, accrue in Washington. You didn't think so highly of it, though, did you? No, no. When I was looking at the try and pick and, and I got so much flack for this by plenty, plenty of people, but I look at Tryon and and he's just, to me, a big project and, and to pick him at the end of the first round, like when, especially when people like on were on the board and, and I know he has that injury history with his knee and there's some medicals there, but I think he's a big project. He only had nine sacks in two years. And, and looking at that, it's, it's not what you'd want to see out of a first round edge rusher, at least in my opinion. Sure. He has all the physicality in the world. He's an absolute monster in terms of, of being a relentless rusher and he never gives up on the play. So those are things that I, that I'm glad to see things that I'm happy about. You know, he has active hands and, and seeing that is, is very exciting for the future, especially when he can learn some moves under, you know, Shaq Barrett and, and JPP. But being in the Pac-12 conference, that's not a very powerhouse football conference. And, you know, I watch a lot of UCLA and, and of course, so I pay more attention to the Pac-12. And, and that's a real, honestly, a shit conference for the most part outside of the top few teams. And he didn't have production in that lesser conference that I would expect to see. And it was actually pretty funny because I saw that so many Washington defenders got picked in this draft, whether that was in the first, second, whatever. There were so many of these guys, even some of those corners were picked and they had a a bad defense. And it it made me wonder, like, is it the scheme over there? Or is it, is it the players? What is it? And with Tryon just did not have that production that I wanted to see. And, you know, call me cynical, call me whatever you want, but I want, Wanted something more out of that pick. Super cynical. That's what we call you. <laughs> you know, I, I I did watch some extra film on him. I did watch. I think the thing that I loved about him is how fast he can get to the ball. Uh, he constantly keeps his eyes on the quarterback. He's a great pass rusher. And when he comes down on it, he doesn't come straight at you. He always comes with that overreach. So he's reaching over. He's always trying to bat the ball out. And that you, you want to look for, Right. Actually, when I was watching Anzarike and I actually did a little comparison, I noticed he did not do that as much. And he was more of that straight up tackler. Like he's just that gangbuster. I'm going to get you and I'm going to drag your ass to the ground. The thing about it is we do not have to worry about him filling a starting position heading into the 2021 season. He could develop behind some of the best that are doing it in the league. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaquille Barrett. I like the pick. I think Joe Tryon will make a good Buccaneer, I think it's a, an upgrade from Nelson. I think it's definitely going to be a step in the right direction for next year and beyond. I really, yeah, I, I'll agree I, with I really you there. Do. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I don't like the pick from an immediate standpoint, and you're right. Jason Light and and Bruce Arians are picking for the future, and that's fine. You know that that's what they want to do. It, well, everybody wants that just, immediate sense of gratification. They all want that. 
this dude has to be a baller now. Like, no, that's a beautiful thing for the Buccaneers to sit back and actually say, you know what? I can develop a player that I know that can, that has been coached possibly by another similar style coach. And I can actually coach this guy even further to be the defensive man that I want him to be. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll definitely agree with that. I don't think that it's like some shit pick. Like they made, you know, it's not like they traded up into the second for Roberto Aguayo again. It's nothing like that. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it seems like I'd want more production out of a first round pick and he just really didn't have it. You know, you say he gets to the quarterback and bats the ball away. Well, he only got there nine times, Jason. And, you yeah, know, true. it's very yeah. limited tape there. And, and I think he really could have benefited and obviously COVID-19 opt out. Um, but, I would have liked to see him sit for another year in at Washington and, and really start to build up that resume and, and put together a bigger repertoire of pass rush moves to come in immediately. I got into a very heated debate over this next pick round two, pick 64 quarterback from Florida, Kyle Trask. He had some of the best wide receivers in the NCAA to throw to Kyle Pitts, Kadarius, Tony, both first rounders. Kyle Pitts goes to Atlanta at number four. Tony goes to the New York Giants at number 20. This, you know, those guys helped make Trask. I think Trask helped make them. And I think they were very complimentary to one another. I like Kyle Trask. Yes, I'm biased. I think that Kyle Trask was a very good pick for the Buccaneers here. I mean, he was a three-year player. He, he has good leadership qualities. I think is one facet of it. I think he's patient and he can obviously develop. He has no problem sitting behind someone and developing and learning a system. He said he sat behind Philippe Franks, Felipe Franks, uh, his, uh, what is it? His sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And then he came out and just went gangbusters, dude, 552 completions, 67% completion rating, 73 over 7,300 yards with 69 touchdowns, only 15 interceptions. Yeah, and I don't think it was necessarily a bad pick. I understand the whole future goal um, of developing him into somebody that could potentially replace Brady. And and Bruce Arians and Jason Light both came out and they were like, shit, we would have picked him in the first. And I'm looking at that like, okay, let's hold our horses there. I don't know about all that. Um, but, you know, I I was a bit disappointed because they passed up on, on Joseph Osai, who was just, you know, sitting there. And we talked about him a lot in our pre-draft coverage and he's another project kind of edge rusher like the Joe Tryon, but he ended up falling to the, I believe it was the top of the third Um, and fine, whatever. They got the quarterback that they want. And I, I think a lot of that production can come with a bit of a asterisk there. And the reason that I say that is because, Dan Mullins and that offense that they run over there at Florida is more of that spread option sort of offense. You got five receivers going wide almost every single play. And you talk about Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony, and they were absolutely freaking, you know, balling out under, under Trask being there. But a lot of his other receivers, I will give Trask this, a lot of his receivers did drop all kinds of passes all over the place. I watched the tape. I watched uh, probably 10, you know, maybe eight to 10 full games of Trask playing. And I think a lot of what he brings to the table is that accuracy, the ability to get the ball to the receiver where the receiver is running in stride. And I see a lot of people talking about, oh, he's one of the best deep ball passers in the NCAA. How can you talk about his arm? You know, how can you talk about his arm strength? My biggest knock on him is that arm strength because 
sure he can get it 40 yards downfield. Sometimes he's just tossing it up there and hoping that, you know, Kadarius Tony's going to come down with it. And sure, being on the Buccaneers, he will have access to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, all these guys that are that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So yes, they will probably help in his development and, and help him move forward. Um, but he really just doesn't have that zip that you like to see out of out of a you know, top quarterback prospect. And I think that a lot of it has to do with footwork. Uh, I know, you know, probably better than most that UF's offensive line was pretty, pretty shit. Um, so he got hit a little bit more than I would like to see, but he panics in the pocket. He, he needs a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of coaching, um, to, to break some of these habits that he had at Florida. Well, and, and, and you're right, right. I think comparing him to a Tom Brady, I think is, is a, a bit unfair, but I think in some regard, yeah, it's a disservice. It is. It is. And and it, it, it's big shoes to fill. I mean, you got to be honest. I mean, they I are the, the biggest. biggest shoes to fill. They are the biggest. They are the biggest. You're right. And but the thing about it is that's the beauty of this pick is that he was the number six quarterback on this board to some people, depending on how they ranked him, could have been in the top five quarterbacks on this board. But here we are, Kyle Trask, the number six quarterback, the sixth quarterback off the board, came off at an appropriate time when Bruce Arians and Jason Light knew they were going to have to go after somebody that they could develop. And again, looking at that two plus years, if Brady does go down, if he does get injured, you still got Ryan Griffin. There's still speculation that Blaine Gabbert will be re-signed. So now Kellen Mond went 66. Davis Mills, your boy from Stanford. (laughs) Finally went 67. <laughs> How were those not controversial picks, right? The Texans? Yeah. Picking up freaking Davis Mills. Oh, my God, man. That was, wow. I think a lot of people were like, what the beep? Like, that was crazy. And those were arguably the number seven, number eight quarterbacks, obviously, as they came off the board. God, I was listening to them talk and they were like, oh man, this guy, you know, if he stayed in for one more year, he could have been the number one overall pick. And I'm just like, oh, whatever, man, I don't see it. But, <laughs> but hey, go go off Davis Mills, have fun in your time in, in Houston, man. I'm so glad the Bucks didn't pick him. I was sitting there holding my breath at when uh, when they came out to announce yeah. it. Who was it? Giles that came out to announce it. And I was just sitting there like, oh man, oh man, don't be Mills, don't be Mills. I think I <laughs> tweeted out like, oh man, if they take Mills, I'm going to riot. But, you know, I saw Trask come across the board and you know, quelled my anxieties a bit that Mills didn't end up a Buccaneer. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully Trask ends up better or else I'm going to look like a freaking idiot. You're listening to Bucks Nation. I'm your host, Jason. I'm here with my uh, co-host, Chris Schoenherr. We just covered round one and round two picks 32, 64. The Buccaneers go with edge rusher Joe Tryon from Washington. And then a pick 64 quarterback from Florida, Kyle Trask. We're going to go ahead and step aside here real quick. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to cover rounds three, four, and five. You guys don't want to miss it. You're listening to Bucks Nation. Welcome back in Bucks Nation. I'm your host, Jason. You can follow the show at Bucks Nation Pod. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Schoner. Follow him at Cynical Bucks Fan. Let's go ahead and just jump right into it here, Chris. Round three, pick 95. The Buccaneers go with offensive lineman Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame. I like the pick. It was about time that they picked an offensive lineman. These were areas that they needed to pick up, and they, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't go running back, and there was some running back talent, but it didn't look like it going into that third round that there was many options remaining at running back, so probably best to just leave that for maybe next year. But they hey, Michael Carter was sitting there. Man. Michael Carter was sitting there, man. That was my boy. 
Oh, was he? Yeah, I, lo- I like Michael Carter quite a bit coming out of UNC, that uh, that second sort of option to Javante Williams over there, and I thought he was a hell of a running back. So I thought it could have been him or could have been could have been our boy, Quinn Miners. Well, that was the one that we were all thinking that it would have been, which would have mm-hmm. been uh, a, a stellar pick. I liked Quinn Myers. You liked Quinn Myers. We thought he was going to be pegged. He was available. They did not go with him. They decided to go with Robert Hainsey. Uh, watched a little bit on him. I was uh, I was impressed. And what I really liked about it is the fact that he is versatile and that he can move in and out. Uh, apparently, he did play tackle in college. He played, uh, I guess, in the senior bowl. He did move into guard. So they've, they've been moving him around. And I think Bruce Arians actually said post-draft, this is a kid that will play every position. And we need a guy that could play every position. And maybe that was the only difference maker between him and Quinn Miners. Yeah, and, and I think Quinn Miners was, you know, I guess you can separate this and look at it in terms of the do you want a guy that can come in and play one position fantastically? Or do you want a guy that can come in and play four or five positions adequately? And, you know, the Bucks needing that depth move, I can absolutely see why they went with somebody like Hainsey. He has that experience at right tackle. He played there for years at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is, is pumping out some of the best linemen in the NFL. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, this guy's not going to be anything. I don't think he's bad. I, I did watch some tape myself. And, and I think he's a, a big bodied sort of guy that, that plays with a lot of aggression. And that's something that I, I know Jason Light has talked about in the past, especially with somebody um, like Alex Kappa. You know, he he went and got him because he was an absolute mauler. And and that's sort of what Hainsey is. I just, you know, I was looking at Minerts and I think I just got my hopes up for that. And then, you know, Hainsey's name comes across the board and I'm sitting there like slightly disappointed. And, and you know, I guess that was, it didn't meet my expectations. So I got disappointed. But, you know, watching tape of the guy, I don't think he's bad. It's not, I'm not saying that he's not going to be, you know, an eventual starter for the Bucs. But I don't know. I'm just looking at this Bucks draft and I'm seeing that they picked a lot of depth picks and that's exactly what they were going to do. But what the hell are they going to do in, in four or five years when all these guys are, are gone, you know, are, is, is Hainsey going to step in and be that, you know, high level starter, like an Ali Marpet, like an Alex Kappa, somebody like that. And, and I don't know if he'll get there, you know, hopefully he can develop. Um, but, you know, I guess that's, I guess that's what they're hoping for. Yeah, I mean, and, and that that is a unique position. I don't think many are accustomed to see any team, especially the Buccaneers, having to <laughs> not be in, right? And, and again, we were just reiterating, I don't know how many times over, these guys are looking further on down the road and obviously looking for these guys that they can develop. And I think the guys that they are looking for that four or five years down the road, they are looking at that purview of what this team could be comprised of. And I don't think that far out. I think two years. And I think I'm sticking with exactly what Jason Light said. Two to three years, that's exactly the, the, the bullseye that we're targeting to see where these guys are going to be playing and being able to fill that. And I think it's a nice, young, offensive line. Now, I feel much better with Robert Hainsey there. And there was actually another offensive lineman that they picked up as an undrafted free agent, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But let's go ahead and move on. To round four, pick 129, they finally go wide receiver. We thought that perhaps they would go wide receiver a little bit earlier, get them the extra weapons that they needed, obviously with the signing of Antonio Brown. That didn't seem to be a need immediately, so it was kind of like, hey, let's play the let's play the field a little bit. Let's start looking at maybe some special teams guys, right? And this is where they started looking at those special teams players, potential depth players. Jalen Darden 
wide receiver from North Texas. Now, for those of you that have not looked him up yet, let me give you guys a little bit of tidbit here. Tidbit information, little bit of information. If you guys haven't heard of North Texas, Mean Green, Jalen Darden was actually one of two consensus All-Americans. The other is Hall of Fame defensive tackle Mean Gene Mean Joe Green. I can't even say it. I was like Mean Gene. I was thinking <laughs> of that wrestler, Mean Gene. Uh, mean Joe Green. I don't know if you, you remember Joe Green, Pittsburgh Steelers, Hall of Fame defensive tackle. How did you forget was the other guy from the Mean Green, North Texas, out of North Texas. So here we go. The only other All-American coming out of that school, Jalen Darden, lands to the Buccaneers at 129. Hey, and shit, if this guy has anywhere near of a similar career to me and Joe Green, then he's going to be on all the Coke commercials that Coke will ever produce. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I look at this is actually my probably favorite pick of the of the entire draft. And, and the reason being is that, you know, this guy is an absolute – just jitterbug he's so electric when he has the ball in his hands and I don't know how much you've watched of him but he's taken some swing passes he's he's gone out there and he turns on another gear I mean this guy you know you think he's gonna go one speed and then he sees somebody coming right in his in his view seeing that they're gonna tackle him and he says whoop nope and just takes on right down the field absolutely electric player and and I think you know, for that special teams pick, like Jaden Mickens was, was a fine returner. And he showed, showed us that in the NFC championship game against yeah. green Bay. But this guy is, is much, I, I believe is going to be a much better return option, especially in punt returns, because the Buccaneers punt returns has been probably one of the worst units um, in the NFL in terms of getting that return yardage and that value. So I think he'll, he'll be a hell of an addition to this special teams and, and even potentially step on the field at some point. Could he be a special team starter? This could be it, right? This could be Absolutely. his shoe in yeah. by catching those passes. And I think, yeah, Jaden Mickens proved himself not able to return a whole lot, but it was good to see for him uh, to be able to get that experience at least. That'll be interesting to see how that competition plays out because now you got Mickens, you got Tyler Johnson, and you've got now Jalen Darden uh, playing for that fourth wide receiver type of position. So it'll be uh, very interesting him hitting the field I think this is, to your point and what you just said, to, to just reiterate, this is probably the one and only pick that I think will make an immediate impact to the Buccaneers. Absolutely. Day one. Day one, twenty twenty. Say bye to uh, say bye to Justin Watson, too. Poor guy out of yeah. uh, UPenn a few years back. But uh, no, I think that's it for him with, with Darden coming in. Yeah, good pickup. Jalen Darden from North Texas, one of two consensus All-Americans, the other being mean Joe Green from the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, actually, I should mention his stats real quick. 74 catches in 2020, and he was 1,000-plus yards. He was the guy. He was the guy. Pretty remarkable 2020 season. Obviously, jumped off the page to the Buccaneers, so they picked him at 129. Moving on into round five at pick 176, linebacker from Auburn, K.J. Britt. Let me ask you quickly, uh, Chris, here. Is there an is there a connection between the Buccaneers and Auburn? I wasn't able to make it because this is the third Auburn Tiger joining the team. Uh, the others are Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. I don't know. I, maybe they got a little you know whispering a bit in, in Jason Light's ear, being like, "Hey, you know, let's go check out my buddy Britt." Uh, we played with him a few years back, and we think he can definitely be an addition. And then he goes and takes a look at the tape, and is like, "Hell, why not?" 
Um, you know, maybe, maybe Jason light just really likes Auburn for some reason, but I, I think Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean have been fantastic additions from Auburn. And he, he could just look at that and be like, hell, if they're, if they're going to be that good and that, you know, come into our, our defense and play like that, then why not snag another guy from there too? Six foot, 243 pounds. The guy's a beast. He's, he's nice, stocky, he's fast, uh, he's got great hands. He was a four-year player, so he's not, you know, like your traditional two- or three-year. He did play all four years. James Yarko did a really nice piece on him uh, after he got drafted. Uh, you can read up on that at BucksNation.com. He said he's insanely strong and a big-time hitter. Yeah, astute analysis, really, though. I mean, honestly, that, that's his biggest strength is, is his his strength, his size, and he's a fantastic run defender. I mean, he, he can really get through a gap and he has that good acceleration. He just doesn't have that speed that the Todd Bowles defense is looking for to be a three down linebacker, you know, looking at somebody like Levante David or Devin white, they're two of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. Probably the duo is the fastest that the NFL has to offer in terms of both being so quick. And, and he does not fit that role at all. Um, He's a, he's a, he's a banger. He'll hit inside. And I just don't think he has that speed to really get, you know, drop back and, and, and defend the pass a bit. So if he ever does step onto the field as a starting linebacker, you know, post Levante David, if he decides um, to retire coming up, if KJ Britt steps into that role, he's going to be a one a first and second down run defender. You know, he might be able to, to guard a running back every once in a while, but he's not going to be sitting there keeping up with Travis Kelsey, like Levante David was. Uh, playing a linebacker in the SEC is no easy feat, obviously going up against those high-powered offenses, uh, namely the Alabama Crimson Tide. He racked up 118 tackles, 13 for loss, three and a half sacks, two pass deflections, and two forced fumbles. He, he is the necessary depth. And I think that is a nice foursome there with White, David, Minter, and now KJ Britt. I, but I'm going to be cynical for a second. I'm going to be super cynical. Oh, taking, taking my role there, bud. <laughs> I watched film and I wasn't impressed. I just wasn't impressed. I I felt like it was a mediocre play. I felt like he was. But again, I have to look at my own preaching because as we started the show off, I was preaching development, development, development. They're going to develop these guys. So, yes, they could develop these guys. And yes, he is a young linebacker that could fold very well and be complimentary to white. Maybe not next year, maybe two years down the road. Right. And, and I mean, right now, like he's a fifth round pick. We're not we're not asking this guy even in two years to be that starter to step on the field. True. I mean, who did they take a few years back? It was Jack Sitchie sitting in the fifth of the sixth round. I think he was a sixth rounder. But like he'll be a great upgrade to Jack Sitchie, who hell of a linebacker just could not could not 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 stay healthy. And you got a feel for the guy. But it looks like Britt's going to come and take that position. And, you know, Jack Sitchie was a special teams type of player. And that's that's what Britt is coming in to do. And I don't think even down the line, if even if he's not a starting linebacker, I don't look at this as a bad pick because he is that depth piece. He can step in and, and defend the run really well. And he'll be that special teams guy. And that's that's probably what they're going to be asking him to do. And the other piece that I saw really well that he did really well with is that open field tackle. He was able to kind of come off that blind side and just crush a guy, right? Wallop, wallop. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, being able to kind of attack it from the front didn't seem to be as aggressive. He was definitely more aggressive from that blind side, open field type of tackle. So linebacker from Auburn, KJ Brick goes to the Buccaneers in round five, as you stated. Pretty late. It was a value pick. Very good pick for them to be able to get the necessary depth that they needed at 176. We're going to go ahead and take another quick break. And when we return, 
We'll go ahead and wrap it up and we'll talk about some undrafted free agents. We'll get into our final draft grades and close up shop. You're listening to Bucks Nation. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome back in. I'm your host, Jason. You are listening to Bucks Nation. Don't forget to follow the show at Bucks Nation Pod. I'm here with Chris. We are chatting about the 2021 NFL Draft. It is in the books, rounds one through seven. The Buccaneers have their seven pickups, plus their undrafted free agents, and they've gotten their draft grades from across uh, the media, and we're going to go into each one of those here to close out the show Let's jump right into pick 251. These are all value picks. Everything from here on out, they're looking at third string depth, second string depth, probably not much second string, but looking at special teams predominantly, right? Would you agree, Chris? They're they're looking at special teams here. Who can be an impact on that? One of them was cornerback from BYU, Chris Wilcox. The dude's speedy, 4.3, 40-yard dash. He's speedy. He's got that height, you know, since uh, Hargraves has completely uh, uh, ruined it for the Buccaneers. Anything below six foot, right? Six foot two. He does have great size and speed. That seems to be his valuable assets right there. They did need to go corner. I thought they needed to go safety. They still need that extra safety. And we'll talk about that because they did finally pick one up as an undrafted free agent. But cornerback Chris Wilcox, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's definitely there to be a special teams player. And if he brings anything more than that, I mean, you're right. He has that size that they're looking for and that speed. If they're looking for him to be anything more than a special teams player, I don't see it. But I think that's what he's there for. And we lost Ryan Smith this year, you know, going to I don't know what team he went to, but he's gone. So they need that gunner on punts to just go down there and knock the hell out of a returner. I mean, if you watch the Saints game in the divisional round, they had those two punt returns for touchdowns that one, you know, they got wiped off the board, I think, or at least they had two long returns. And it was it was watching it. It was like, what the hell are you doing? Your offense is great. Your defense is great. But that special teams unit was probably the biggest weak point of that entire team in in 2020 and going to 2021 they saw that they had a need there and they decided to go after somebody who can get after get after a punt returner I don't think that he's going to be somebody to look for as a starter going forward this next pick at 259 Mr. Irrelevant at 259 for those of you that are not unaware Mr. Irrelevant is the nickname given to the very last pick of the NFL draft and that went to Linebacker from Houston, Grant Stewart. Grant Stewart, the hair, the hair, man. <laughs> big hair don't care. But big hair don't care. He's got this poofy, goofy looking uh, hair. But uh, yeah, Mr. Irrelevant at 259 is six foot one, 225 pounds. It'll be interesting how this pick and Chris Wilcox play into the Buccaneers' plans for 2021. Do they keep them around? Do they. Uh, you know, do they put him on the practice squad? Do they play him in, in special teams? Are these going to be the guys that are going to fill those needs at special teams? I, I think it's all up for speculation at this point. Grant Stewart, let me go over some stats here. 61 tackles, five for loss, one interception. Not really a whole impressive. I think it was his solo tackles were in like the 20s or 30s. I think it was. So, I mean, not a crazy stat line. Uh, I think the most impressive thing about this kid is that he wore number zero. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know what to make of this one. Honestly, he he was on the first team, all AAC selection. I get it. Houston is actually 
has kind of established themselves actually as a relevant school. They had that really good year a couple of years ago. Well, they had Case Keenum over there. Oh yeah. man. And, and I, I don't know what the record was. What was Houston's record last year? Was it even, was it relevant? Was Mr. Irrelevant relevant? <laughs> I have no idea. And this conference is so irrelevant that I didn't even pay attention to that. But you know, I think Grant Stewart is, is a hell of a pick, man. I, I, I we're down to literally the last pick in the draft. You're not looking for somebody to come in and be that starting player. You're not looking for them to even be a rotation potentially. And Stewart, I think along with Wilcox are purely special team improvements. And as we were talking about earlier with like Jack Sitchie, um, sure. Britt can fill in for him in that sort of backup linebacker role, but Stewart is going to be there to really just do the special teams. And he's, he's a pretty good tackler. He's really fast at, at his size. Um, and I think that he can really bring that extra edge to the special teams and, and sort of add a little bit more attitude to it because he is a, he is a hell of a hitter as well. Um, so I, I don't see this as a bad pick. I mean, really we're down even, even the fifth round pick fifth, seventh and seventh. These are, these are guys that, Will they make the roster? Potentially, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, yeah. but they really are just there for that special teams role. It's pick two fifty nine. Who the F cares? Who the hell Who cares? cares? Honestly. Right. Yeah. I mean, Stewart cares. He's, he's probably, he's really happy. I mean, they did talk about how he's, you know, been sort of that grinder his whole life. He had to take care of his, uh, his younger siblings when he was younger. And, you know, he brings that attitude. And I think Jason light picks a lot based on attitude and, and the ability for somebody to be that grinder, that hard worker, somebody who isn't willing yeah. to let the position go. And if Grant Stewart comes in and, and plays like, you know, Mel Kuyper and them said he's going to, I see him making the roster and I see him making an impact on special teams as, as that, you know, big hitter in, in the open field, maybe on, on kickoffs. He can also be that guy that is one of those blockers on kickoff returns and stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully he makes it. I, I hearing his story, I feel for the kid and, and I hope he does really well. I hope so too. Those last two picks, uh, huge question marks as to their future with the Buccaneers. Obviously they are a Buccaneer today. Uh, they're obviously going to get their partial off season, with the Buccaneers and, and obviously work towards making a roster. We've just been covering rounds one through seven of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2021 NFL draft. I'm your host, Jason. I'm here with Chris. A lot of rambling going on about each pick. There's some good, there's some bad, obviously looking towards the future of what this team is looking to pursue and build. It'll all shape up in its own time. I don't think that anyone needs to really be that super critical of what this front office has done with this team. For one, you've got all of your starters back, so chill the F out. You've got another run for a Super Bowl, so chill the F out. You'll be all right. The Buccaneers have at least one solid year. What happens in two years? That's the question mark. That's the question mark, and guess what? We got a whole nother draft. We got a whole nother draft to worry about in two years. So you know what? This isn't the ends all be all. They picked up some great depth players, some great special teams players. Rounds one through seven, starting it off with edge rusher Joe Tryon from Washington. But we are going to wrap it up with the undrafted free agents really quick. I'm just going to go down the list here, list list off some names. They picked up wide receiver TJ Simmons from West Virginia. Offensive tackle Calvin Ashley from FAMU via Auburn. Actually started with Auburn, transferred to FAMU. This dude is a beast, Chris. Six seven, three hundred and thirty pounds. Jesus, I yeah, that's a that's a big man. That's that's <laughs> uh, that's a big man right there. Yeah, the Navy midshipmen gave up their corner 
Cameron Kinley to the Buccaneers. And then this was the pick that I thought I was smiling about. And I watched this thing that the uh, that Miami put out for kicker Jose Boragales from the U University of Miami. This dude was 90 percent in field goals in 2020. He was 100% in extra points. He was two for two. He was perfect for 50 plus yards. He kicked a 57 yarder, which was the school record. It was on the top of the uprights. This dude could have kicked a 65 yarder. I think he's legit. I think he's legit. And uh, for him to come in. But who else was one of the most accurate kickers in college football history? Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Mr. Aguayo and, and kicker kicker is such a head game. It's all about the mentality. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully this kid can do something. I mean, if, if they want to contest him with Ryan Suckup, hey, be my guest. They paid him, you know, suck up a bunch. But Jose Borregales is going Borregales. to be coming in to challenge, uh, to challenge Suckup for that starting role. And hey, From Venezuela. From Venezuela. But no, I like the kid's story. And, and he, he comes in. Actually, he, he wears eye black uh, on his face. Like, <laughs> like, for you to come out there, like, with that kind of swagger, man. All right. All right, bring it. Anyway, uh, the, the Buccaneers do get a competing kicker. Uh, Suckup is no doubt going to be the kicker, but obviously having a little bit of competition doesn't hurt. Uh, and obviously keeping him in the wings, potentially practice squad or, or something else, uh, that'd be good for them to have. And I, I don't mind that And as, as, a, as a UDFA. Yeah, no, you can't go wrong with that. Edge rusher Leighton McCarthy from FAU comes off the board. Well, I shouldn't say off the board. Comes off, basically gets picked up. Safety, Lawrence White, the fourth. Finally, a safety. And they're actually saying he could be the third. No, the, the third or fourth safety. You do have Mike Edwards, but could be that third or fourth safety coming in for the depth piece that they need at safety. So Lawrence White from Iowa State. I thought it was pretty interesting because I thought they needed to pick a safety up a lot earlier. Yeah, they could have had Talano Hufanga in that fifth. I think he was picked after KJ Britt. And, you mm-hmm. know, you talked about him a bit, that kid out of USC. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought of him as being an option. And, hey, you know, if Lawrence White can can come in and actually provide that depth piece and shit, it's awesome, awesome value. Undrafted free agent picks are full, just gamble. It does not matter at all. You're, you're putting hardly anything on for the, for the potential for a great return. I mean, like a Shaq Barrett, he was an undrafted free agent. Cameron Bray. Yeah. Cameron Bray, un, un, undrafted free agent there. So yeah, you never know where those diamonds in the rough are going to, to come out from. Uh, continuing on here, they picked up defensive tackle Elijah Ponder from Cincinnati. Cincinnati coming off of a couple of great seasons. Cincinnati, yeah. my, my wife went to Cincinnati and that is a really strong up and coming football program. I'm telling you. Oh, they yeah, whooped on they, the Bruins a few times. <laughs> <laughs> they whooped up on a lot of teams, uh, actually. And I think it was last year that they were making that run for the for the college uh for the the playoffs. Defensive tackle Elijah Ponder goes to the Buccaneers. Then they picked up inside offensive lineman Sidarius Hutcherson from South Carolina, again adding to the depth of the offensive line, uh, potentially getting those practice squad members, maybe taking a look at who they want to keep in those reserves potentially. And then they pick up another safety, Augie Contressa from, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I laughed at this one. Cause I, I had to look up where this school was. Stony Brook, Stony Brook university. It's a D one FCS school out of the colonial athletic association 
conference. Yeah, never heard of that. Never heard of that conference before. <laughs> Safety Augie Contressa gets picked up as an undrafted free agent. I it was so hard. I actually put his name and then I like I did most players and then I put highlights. Nothing. Nothing. I couldn't find a video anywhere. So <laughs> obviously nobody spent the time to I mean his mom could have even like saved a video of him, but but no, that did not happen. <laughs> anyway, that was uh, one of the final undrafted free agents that the Buccaneers picked up. Let's talk about draft grades. Close this thing out. We've been rambling on for far too long. There's one grade that I have huge question marks on, and that is CBS Sports. CBS Sports graded the Buccaneers a C. Do you agree with that? No, I think that's too low. I mean, to be fair, they have to understand the need. They have to understand that this was really that depth class. And and even as much as I'm upset about, you know, the potential for these guys to develop into future starters, even if that's not a possibility, they are. I mean, this draft was purely for that reason. And and for that reason, I don't think it should have been that. I mean, if I personally had to give a grade, it'd be B, you know, B minus maybe, but C, man, they're, they're, they're harsh on that one. Yeah, and I would love to read a little bit more about that analysis. Uh, they actually did provide it, and you can read more about it at BucksNation.com. You can read all the details. Uh, Gil Garcia, our, our managing editor, did a great piece on the, the on the final grades there. Let's talk about some other ones. The, the grade that I agreed with the most was USA Today's at B+. I did like the B+. I, I, I would even dare to say it was an A because, again – not looking at the immediate need. If I were to look at two years, looking through a crystal ball of what the needs are for two plus years out, knowing the players that are going to be leaving this team, they did a great job. They did a phenomenal job. Now is Kyle Trask, the guy still TBD is Joe Tryon, the next heir apparent to Jason Pierre, Paul still TBD, right? There is a lot of those little question marks still lingering, so for that, I would say A minus B plus. That's where I was going with this. Some other ones here, NBC Sports, a solid B. NFL.com, A minus. DraftKings, DraftKings Nation actually gave it an A as well. So you give it a B minus. I'll move it quick. up to a B. I'll move it up to a You'll B. move it up to a B? Yeah, yeah, it is for depth. I get it. I get it. 2021 NFL draft is in the books. The Buccaneers have their picks. They have their guys. They are getting ready to now go into a nice slow period filled with Zoom meetings and probably a bunch of charity things that they're going to all have to be obligated to do. But they are going to be putting this team together to come back and make another Super Bowl run. So I'm really anxious to see how this team pans out. Real quick, final thoughts, Chris. You know, I gave it a B. I don't think it's the worst draft. And and I, I am hypercritical of this team. And, you know, I am cynical Bucks fan for a reason. I mean, I, I tend to be somebody that a lot of people disagree with. Um, so don't don't come at me, listeners. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to give my, you know, insight and analysis. So don't at me, bro. Yeah, don't at me, bro. It's it's a fine draft. It's a fine draft. And, and I'll give it that. It's It wasn't, you know, spectacular. It's no Tristan Worth, Antoine Winfield, but it didn't need to be. So, you know, I think it's fine. And and we'll just have to see where it goes. I mean, these draft grades are all just for fun anyway. You know, we'll find out in, in two to three years if these people are actually going to pan out. Because right now, it's all TBD, like Jason was saying. By the time these guys hit the field, they will be veterans. Let's just put it that way. And that <laughs> bodes well for them. And it bodes well to, for the front office. It bodes well, bodes well for uh, Bruce Arians and the rest of that coaching staff. That will go ahead and wrap it up for episode 10. This was our official 2021 NFL Draft Recap Special. You can find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation. And don't forget to follow the show at Bucks Nation Pod. 
And you can find me at Cynical Bucks Fan. And do not forget to check out all of our written articles at BucksNation.com, where all of our writers bring you the best in Buccaneers headlines and storylines. Stay tuned in each week as we continue to bring you coverage from all different directions, including news across the NFL, fantasy football, and the latest out of One Buck Place. Leave us a review on Apple, iHeartRadio, and wherever you download and stream the Bucks Nation podcast channel. Until next time, wave your flags high and fire the cannons. I kissing no babies. The devil on my doorstep being so shady. Mm, don't trip. We don't gotta let him in. Don't trip.